From Buck Studio at Wisconsin Public Radio, this is Zorba Pastor on your health. I'm Tom Clark, here again with family doc Zorba Pastor, talking with you about what's new in healthy living, sharing some down-to-earth advice, and great lifestyle tips to help you get the most out of life. If you have a question for the good doc, the number to call is 800-462-7413. And along with your calls, we have some topics to talk about, Zorba. Yes, we're going to talk about if you binge drink on the weekends, but you drink moderately during the week. What's going on with your life, especially if you're a middle-aged person? We're not talking about teenagers or college students. We're going to talk about what that may do to your body. And stress appears to accelerate immune system and aging. We've got to talk about that, where stress fits into your life, especially during this time of COVID and post-COVID. And what's our special recipe today? Tri-colored pasta. It's not one-colored pasta. It's not two-colored <laughs> two. pasta. I bet it's three. It is three. You know, <laughs> you still know your Greek and Roman roots. Tri-colored pasta, salad with pine nuts. You will love it. Okay. To the phones we go now, Zorba, at 1-800-462-7413. That's 800-462-7413. Our first caller joins us now from Queens, New York. Hi. Hello there. How can we help? Uh, I have a question for the doc concerning uh, gallbladder removal. Sure. My wife, uh, uh, it'll be uh, one year this uh in August, this August, uh-huh. that she had her gallbladder removed. Uh-huh. Now, ju- just wondering, how is it that you could do without your gallbladder? Oh, that's a but that's a good question. First of all, how's she doing post-op? And see, yeah, she's doing she's she's doing fine. She uh-huh. had one of these, uh, I guess you would call liposcopic fourth pore incisions, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and they went out through the belly button. Right. And also, she had uh, they found uh, gallstones. Uh-huh. You know. Sure. And her symptoms were uh, abdominal pain, right. when, you know, the initial symptoms. Uh-huh. Of course. And uh, so I was just wondering how you can still do without your gallbladder. Right. And then also I was wondering what food she should or shouldn't eat now that, you know. She's pretty self-conscious. Yeah, I, be- I bet she is. I'll tell you something. Since, this is years ago, decades, since we've been doing, they're called lap coles, laparoscopic cholecystectomy, where we remove the gallbladder with just the laparoscope. It's so much better than it used to be. It used to be you had to have a big open incision. You'd be in the hospital often for up to a week to get your body to recover again. And with a, with laparoscopic cholecystectomy removal, a lot of people are out that day or the next day. She was probably, was she in the hospital overnight or did she leave that day? Uh, overnight. She actually was there about three days. You know, we weren't going to take any chances. If yeah, there right. was a, that's that's exactly, but it's, it's a, it's a much better procedure, not nearly as painful and people recover. So the gallbladder is a sack that holds, it basically holds bile. And when you eat a high fat meal, your, what happens is your intestine says, Hey, we've got a high fat meal. And what happens is the bile goes in and emulsifies the fat in there, like uh, kind of like soap, you know, when you're when you're trying to wash with say a greasy pot in the sink you need soapy water to be able to get the grease off there and what happens with bile is it kind of takes the fat in your body emulsifies it almost like soap and allows that fat to be absorbed in the intestine and when the gallbladder is gone you just have gall you just have bile going into your intestine on a regular basis which is not bad if you have a high fat meal a lot of people then can't tolerate that because they don't have that extra bile that goes into their body. So if they feel uncomfortable after a high-fat meal, they have to change their diet. You know, high-fat meal, burger, fries, maybe you have a big creamy milkshake with high-fat milkshake. That'd be a meal that might bother you. But otherwise, you really don't have to change your diet at all. You should still eat a good Mediterranean diet, but you don't have to do that at all. So we can do without our gallbladder. That's about the only thing kind of in our intestine that we do without. We can't do without our pancreas. Certainly can't do without our with our colon. It produces lots of problems. But the gallbladder, easy to take out, usually from gall, because of gallstones. And that's what she did after she had gallstones. Right. But like I said, she's always she's very self conscious about what she eats. She's uh, more than I am. Well, but, I said, uh, wait a second, you're not learning from your wife. Come on, how long have you been married to her? 
24 years. Ah, 24 years. A couple of decades. So she's eating right and you're not? I mean, uh, come on, what's going on here? You should be eating right too. I I don't eat garbage. I'm like, you know, I'm pretty, uh, for a 70-year-old, I'm uh, I'm pretty active and, uh, you know, I I don't eat real garbage, to tell you the truth. I'll tell you, you've got energy in your voice. You don't sound like a day over 50. You really don't. (laughs) Thanks a lot. I, I, I keep punching. I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) but that's really good and the reality is not eating garbage as you said is really part of the issue it's so easy to eat garbage in our society fast food easy to eat high fat high sugar high salt food and if we stay away from garbage that's half the problem getting five servings of fruits and veggies is kind of the other side of it only about 40 percent of the country gets that so right 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 oh she's always eating Fruits and vegetables and taking her vitamins and unbelievable. She's good. She's good. She only weighs weighs 105. She's Filipino. Wow. Yeah. So she she doesn't eat. She she eats good food. She's she's trim and she's a little bull. I think she could beat me up. Match her up. That's exactly it. (laughs) That's very funny. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for your call. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Take care now. You yeah, too. Yeah, you too. 800 462 7413. A little boom, right? 1 800 462 7413 if you have a question for Dr. Pastor. Well, uh, think you're okay because you only drink on weekends? Well, think again, this study. Well, it's a very interesting study. So we always say, you know, an average of uh, two drinks a day for men, one drink a day for women, you know, no more than 14 drinks a week for men, more than seven drinks a week for women. And when I get up and I talk about longevity and health issues, I always say not on the weekend. Well, the reality is if you're having, even if you're averaging 14 for a man, seven for a woman, and if you're averaging a lot of that on the weekend and not during the week, you actually are at risk for a lot of issues. So this particular study was published in the American Journal of Preventive Medicine, and it really looked at part of a midlife development study, a national sample of men and women between the ages of 25 and 74. So that was, that was kind of mid-age, although 74 is kind of on the, on the edge of mid-age. And they looked at individuals who consume seven or more drinks on a Saturday night, okay, Saturday night. So we're talking about binge drinking is kind of defined as five drinks, mm. but they were looking at really at seven drinks. And they looked at daily consumption for a lot of, a lot of men and women, so they drink all their drinks. And they found that they were a much more risk for a lot of things, such as, as you would examine, as you can imagine, falling down. But it turns out they were also at risk for taking care of children, actually having psychological and emotional problems at work, getting hurt on the job, a whole bunch of other things mm-hmm. when they weren't drinking. So in other words, they're binge oh, really? drinking on the weekend, but it's affecting their emotional life, their psychological life, and what's going on in their life during the week when they're not consuming any alcohol. Mm. Now, for years, we've talked about young people who binge drink because we kind of picture it, teenagers, college students drinking on Saturday night. We've never had very good data on mid-age people in their 50s, 60s, and 70s. And it turns out that binge drinking on the weekend affects your life during the week. But how can you tell if something happens during the week that that's actually happening because of what you did days ago? Well, because they did this national survey that has been ongoing, a longitudinal survey, where they asked people, how much do you drink during the week? How much do you drink on the weekend? And then they they examined that data and they looked at other data because it's a longitudinal study who has accidents during the week who reports psychological stress because it's a longitudinal study. And the people who binge drank ended up explaining that during the week they had more problems. They didn't realize that they were connected together but when they did the national survey, they were people who are more likely to fall during the week, have problems during the week, at home, in the job, and in school. So once again, it's an observational study, and you're right. But binge drinking is a problem, and it's a problem because people don't think it's a problem. Got it? Yeah, in I other do. words, yeah. yeah, I'm averaging 14 drinks. I have seven or eight drinks on Saturday and seven or drinks on Sunday. Think about how that might affect you on Monday morning when you go to work, Right. Yeah, but but according to this study, maybe even on Tuesday or Wednesday. You got it. Maybe even on Tuesday or Wednesday. So I think it's important to know that once you get above 
four drinks a day, no matter what it is, that may affect you during the week. And we don't quite understand why. It may be that people who binge drink are actually having more problems in the first place, right? Maybe that's why they're binge drinking. So maybe they have to look at that. But but that binge drinking is not simply for teenagers and college students. It's something that affects people in mid-age. And I want to bring up something about this that I think is important mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with this at all. When you look at HIV and you look at, you know, at HIV that is essentially affecting that we think about young people and multiple sex partners uh, that are much more likely in young people, it turns out that's an issue with older people too who don't have to worry about pregnancy. It turns out that AIDS is a big issue in older adults. So I think now that our society is aging, we have to think about things that we ascribe to young people, such as binge drinking and unprotected sex, and we have to apply it to older people over over the age of 50, 60, and 70, you can't binge drink and you can't have unprotected sex because these are emo- these are problems that affect old people, older people, just like they affect younger yeah, people. Interesting. 800-462-7413 is our number. That's 1-800-462-7413. Now, Zorba, we have a voicemail from Duluth, Minnesota. My question is regarding the prostate gland. What are the treatments for an enlarged prostate, and what do you think of those treatments? Well, I think they're very good treatments for an enlarged prostate. So first of all, uh, living with it, that's one of the treatments that we have. So in other words, for men, especially for men who have a prostate and they want to have to go to the washroom all the time, uh, and they find that you know when they got to go, they got to go, and they can't get to the washroom fast enough, and they start leaking. The treatment is, instead of waiting for your bladder to get full, to kind of do it by the clock. Go at 8 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 4 o'clock, six o'clock, every two hours. You may not feel like you have to go to the bathroom, but basically emptying your bladder will give your prostate less spasm. That's one way to do it. Another way was with medications, a combination of Proscar, which is finasteride, five milligrams a day, along with Tamsulosin, which is a drug that reduces kind of the, uh, the membrane and the membrane that's on the prostate that tends to be hyperactive during enlarged prostate. A combination of that for six months can often shrink a prostate, make it better, and once again, get rid of the symptoms. If not, green laser therapy and then other therapies to actually shell out the prostate can also be a good thing. But I would do, the first thing I would do is health intervention without treatment. The second thing I would do is I would try the drugs. And I would do those things before I would actually do anything surgically with the prostate. And the reason is this, you might be able to pee better when your prostate is of a smaller size, but you might have erectile dysfunction and may not be able uh, to get an erection with any of the surgical treatments on your Mm. prostate. And if you're a man and you're still having sex, those are important things. Mm. Interesting. 800-462-7413 is our number. Before we take a break, Zorba, we always love hearing from the grammar police, but here's a new one. This email came from a very sweet but seldom heard from division of the grammar police. This one is from the brown sugar police. Okay, Zorba. <laughs> On a recent show, you asked our listeners how to keep brown sugar from getting clumpy, and they, of course, delivered the goods. Of course. Of course. First, a listener named Sharon wrote, the trick to keeping brown sugar soft and easy to use is store it in the freezer. Oh. What? Wow. I know it really? doesn't make sense, but I've been doing it for years. I never heard and it of that. Works. Oh, wow. Store it in the freezer. Wow. That'll get rid of this hard brown sugar. I got to try that. Sure. And what I'm just We got to even put this on our website. We should shout this from the rafters. <laughs> I think we're doing it. Sharon went on to say, God bless both of you, God bless us. Okay. Your medical expertise and advice are most informative and much appreciated. The copay, well, you can't beat it. Tom, your quick wit 
delivery Quick and wit. sense of humor wow. are wonderful. Wow. You always tickle my funny bone. <laughs> you make the perfect team keep doing what you're doing because you do it so very well. Maybe we don't need you, Zorba. No, that's it. We're just gonna be, it's going to be the Tom Clark Quick Wit Show. That's what we need to do. <laughs> that that got a lot of listeners. <laughs> and finally, we got a tip from Jessica in Keene, New Hampshire. So, to the question about how to keep brown sugar from clumping, you can get a terracotta stone. I've seen them as teddy bears before. I've seen them as round little discs. You soak one of these, like, brown sugar stones in water for 10 minutes, put it in the container that you keep your brown sugar in. It will keep your brown sugar soft for three months. And then when it hardens up again, you just soak it again for 10 minutes, do it all over again, and you will never have clumpy, hard, rock-hard brown sugar ever again. So, yeah, that's what I got. Thank you. Love your show. Bye. Got to tell you something. Brown sugar. I mean, I've thought about things that really captivate people's imagination. And the reality is anyone who cooks with brown sugar clearly has this problem. And you know what? I've heard about these terracotta stones. I think I've even seen one, but I don't have one. So I'm going to do, I'm going to use the terracotta stone with one bag of brown sugar, the light brown sugar, and the dark brown sugar I'm going to put in the freezer, and I'm going to report back on which one is better. Oh, great. You know? Looking forward to it. We will have a brown sugar discussion sometime in the future, I promise. Do you want to join our ever-growing grammar police force? Just post on our Facebook page or send us an email at Zorba at WPR.org. More of your calls coming up, more of your emails, and we'll be putting together a tasty pasta salad. All that coming up on Zorba Pastor on Your Health from PRX, the Public Radio Exchange. I'm Clark with Family Doc Zorba Pastor here on Zorba Pastor on Your Health. 800-462-7413 is our number. 1-800-462-7413. But Zorba, before our next call, try colored pasta salad with pine nuts. Yeah, that's right. First of all, so Tom, when was the last time you had to bring a dish to pass at an event? Oh, that's, that's funny. <laughs> Has it been ever? <laughs> I think I've never had that. I mean, I mean, a lot of people, you go somewhere and it's a dish to pass or it's a potluck. People yeah. are having over the house and you want to bring something. This is a great example of that. And mm-hmm. uh, Carl, have you ever had to bring a dish to pass? Yeah, all the time. All the time. All the time. Oh. That means it's a good party. You've got it. And, you know, you try this dish and you try a little bit of that no. dish. This is a great dish to pass. And frankly... I'm always looking, especially during certain times of the year, summertime, uh, during events like around Christmas time, I'm always looking for a dish to pass. This is a great one, and it's tricolored pasta salad with pine nuts. Mm-hmm. So start out with tricolored rotini pasta. Mm-hmm. Two-thirds of a cup of Caesar dressing, preferably creamy. You could use something like Paul Newman low-calorie if you want to, but this is usually going to be in a dish to pass. I'd probably use the full fat. Two-thirds of a cup creamy Caesar salad dressing. Two-thirds of a cup creamy Caesar dressing. That's right. Or if you have another favorite dressing, you could use that, but Mm -hmm. creamy is better. A half teaspoon of kosher salt. Half a little tea. Kosher salt. And kosher salt is a bigger flake. You could also use uh, a, half t- a half teaspoon of, of sea salt, which would also mm-hmm. be quite good. A uh, quarter teaspoon of black pepper. Quarter little tea, black pepper. If you love black pepper like I do, you can use more. Mm-hmm. Quarter teaspoon of garlic powder. 
quarter little tea, garlic powder. Now, Tom, when you buy garlic powder in your house, do you buy a big jar or a small jar? I don't know. I'll ask Monica. <laughs> smaller no smaller is better because over time, yeah. garlic powder loses its garlic <laughs> garlic flavor. Yeah. Three Roma tomatoes, preferably Roma because uh, they have more uh, – they kind of have more skeleton to them. Three Roma tomatoes diced. Three Roma tomatoes diced. Yeah, they have they have they have less. Uh, I don't know what you call it, what it is in the inside. I'm 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 blocking what the liquid is, but mm-hmm. but uh, a Roma tomato is best for this. Six ounces of Kalamata olives drained and chopped. Six ounces of Kalamata olives drained and chopped. That's right. Quarter cup of finely diced red onion. And one thing I would recommend is if you don't have an onion dicer or mm-hmm. chopper, there are many different kinds on the web, and they will save your eyes. I call it a no more tears dicing device. Mm-hmm. Quarter okay. cup. Three quarters cup of shredded Parmesan cheese. Three quarters cup shredded Parmesan cheese. Six to ten fresh basil leaves cut into strips. They got to be fresh. It, dry basil will not do it. Nice strips and torn into pieces. Six to ten fresh basil leaves cut into strips or torn into pieces. That's right. Quarter cup of Basil, pesto basil. So you've got to use either your homemade pesto made with basil or buy one at the store. Quarter cup basil, pesto. And a cup of toasted pine nuts. A cup toasted pine nuts. That's right. That's right. And you've got to buy in your pine nuts. Sometimes at some stores you can find them uh, on sale. They can be expensive. So let's make it. So cook the pasta in a large pot of boiling salted water, according to the package direction. Uh, Drain it and make sure it's... I never know how to pronounce it. Al dente. I always pronounce it wrong. (laughs) And I always have people who correct me. Al dente, al dente. But... But... But firm to the tooth. I know that's what it means in Italian. Don't worry. I'll never correct you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Since I don't know what you're talking about. Drain (laughs) it. Coat it with the Caesar dressing while it's still warm. Very important. Then add the rest of the ingredients, all the ingredients together except for the pine nuts and the extra basil. Toss it. Add a little salt and pepper to taste if you want to. Refrigerate it now for about four to eight hours. Very important. If it's pasta salad, seems a little dry, add a little more Caesar dressing after you do that. And then just before you're serving, put in the pine nuts and fresh basil. And I'll tell you something, Tom. The next time you go to a potluck, God willing, somebody will invite you to the potluck. This will be the dish to pass that people will rave about. 800 Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You didn't ask me how to get it on the website. Oh. That's your cue. People rave about it. I was, I'm sorry. I was nodding off there. <laughs> <laughs> At ZorbaPastor.org. You can find it on our website or, of course, through Facebook. And you can see pictures of Tom and I. And maybe one day Tom, Monica will make this. I don't think Tom's going to do it. Uh, I don't think Monica is going to do it either. <laughs> That's 1-800-462-7413. Now, Zorba, let's see if we can help a listener in St. Augustine, Florida. Hi. Hi. How can we help? Uh, this is Tom. Is this Tom? Yes. Okay. I can't hear too well, Tom. You have a soft voice, and that's part of the reason I'm calling in. Um I have a lot of inner ear damage, I'm told, by high levels of radiation. And um, I used to fly for the airlines, so when my ears would get bad and infected, I would go to doctors in different countries, and they would always tell me this. And they always said, are you with the airlines? And I would say yes. Um, uh, Unfortunately, when I go, now that I'm older, I'm going to be 77 soon, um, and I go to American doctors, they just say, well, you hear very high-pitched frequencies that uh-huh. nobody else does, uh-huh. and that's why I can't go anywhere. I can't go to restaurants. I can't go to a movie because everything, all the noise, all the music, anything electronic or mechanical, I go nuts. Oh. Sounds in nature huh. can be as loud as possible, but mm-hmm. they don't bother me. Oh. So there must be uh-huh. ultra-high frequencies and mechanical and electronic. Very, um, very uh, interesting. So you can hear well when you're taught with normal conversation or not? Yes, yes. I'm fine with normal conversation. 
But um, we have a very loud society, and when you go right. into places, mm-hmm. music and TVs are always blaring. No, I know what you mean. <laughs> I, I don't have any trouble with high frequency, but the issues are very common. They're common, by the way, as you get older. So I don't know how much of this is related to your flying and how much is related to the fact that you have really good hearing at those ultra-high frequencies. Well, wow. there's, there's something even more important than the flying. Um, my dad was a bomber pilot in World War II, and he used to bomb those chemical plants in Germany. Oh. So after, and those planes flew low. They were not pressurized, and none of these fellows expected to come back alive. Right, right. Well, after he did that, then he worked out in White Sands, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. They were working on the bomb for a whole year before it was dropped on Hiroshima. Wow. And that's when they got pregnant with me. Oh. So I, and now, oh. um, my father... Mm-hmm. Um, of course, my, uh, my father had a lot of radiation damage, and of course, my mother did from being with him. And, and uh, so did you. There's no doubt. Well, I mean, first of all, the radiation goes the, the radiation goes through. If your dad got it and your mom got it and you're in white sands and there's a lot of radiation and there was really no safety mechanism in there, you right. probably got this same radiation intrauterine when you developed and as a young child. I know, and you know, um, my whole life, and my dad too, he would be just fine, and he was he, he was very, very smart. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of a sudden, he would just run out of energy and have to be in bed for a week or two. Wow. And this was uh-huh. our, our whole life. Uh-huh. And um, my mother would go nuts because, mm-hmm. you know, you sure. lose your job when you sure. do this. Right, right, and, right. Um, oh. and then always as a child, I mm-hmm. needed to be quiet. I, I didn't date. I didn't go to parties. Everything was hard, but I was a super achiever. So my life, doctor, um, right. all I do is work around the house, work mm-hmm. in, the, in the yard, and take walks uh, late at night. So I, I, I have a suggestion for you. <sighs> have you ever tried an antidepressant? No. I think you should try one, and I'll tell you why. And I don't know if it'll work or not work. But antidepressants work with a variety of things, not just depression. They work with people with anger management. For instance, not that you don't have anger management, but they work with people with, uh, with anxiety. They work with people that have certain stressors. They unlink certain things, SSRI, antidepressants, unlink certain things in the brain. I they, do go crazy with noise, like they, I mentioned. They, you may not go crazy. So let me give an example to you. Quick example, patient came into my office. This is one of numerous patients. Wife wouldn't go out to eat with him because he would yell at waitresses. He'd say, uh-huh. oh, the food is slow, not doing this, not doing that. After he started on an antidepressant, it no longer bothered him him, but he still knew about it. He would say, yeah, the food is this and that, but he no longer yelled at waitresses and he went out to eat. You should try an SSRI antidepressant and after a month to two months, see whether or not you can go out and whether or not the stuff bothers you at much. Uh-huh. Give it a month or six weeks to kick in and go to a restaurant that you normally don't want to go to and see what happens. It may help you get through this. Would it help with the extra sensitive sensitivity to, you know, um, in other words, because because I can pick up these high pitch frequencies, you would it help may with not that? you may not care about them. Oh, wouldn't that be wonderful? In other words, you you follow what I'm saying. You may pick them up, and you're saying, "Oh, I, I don't notice it," because when I deal with people with anger, what uh-huh. they do is they go. Yeah, I'm still, those things bother me, but I can let it go. In other words, the little things that bother people who are angry Uh all the time Uh still are there, but they're not bothered by them. I see. I have neighbors with leaf blowers. Oh, yeah. I I like to take this leaf blower and wrap it around (laughs) their neck. I mean, you know. (laughs) I want you to try this. And then. I mean, that's just it. I, I mean, that's exactly what I need something that will let me. Liv, I can't go see Tom Cruise's movie. I want to see that movie, but I know I can't. <laughs> the reality is you call your primary care doctor, say you want to try one of these antidepressants, go on it, give it six weeks, okay. go and see Tom Cruise, and then give us a call. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, um, I thank you for that because um, that's all I needed was someone to tell me how I can cope with this. 
Yes. And um, you, it sounds like you you know it before. And I am angry. I'm angry all the time because of all the noise. So I guess I do have an anger problem. Right. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. These drugs work. You need your primary care doctor. You need a prescription. You've got to get on the right dose. And okay. then you've got to call us back. Okay. okay All right. Will. You take care now. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for the call at 800-462-7413. Now, Zerber, we have a voicemail from Iowa. Hi, I have a doctor who's prescribing Lipitor. He said I finally need it because my cholesterol's a little high. And I told him 10 years ago, another doctor had prescribed Lipitor. And I asked, why is my cholesterol high? And he said, no, it's just that people your age should be taking it. And I thought, well, that's kind of a stupid reason to be taking a drug. But my current doctor says, no, that's what we do. We just make you take it whether you need it or not. That's the new norm now. Uh, Do you agree with that, Dr. Zorba? I do not agree with that. I do not agree with that at all. But the risks of getting heart attacks increase as you get older. And so you may have other medical problems that lead to that. Might be like high blood pressure, diabetes. Good example, diabetics should all be on uh, a drug such as Lipitor because we know they're at risk for heart attacks. But no, I do not think that everyone in the society should be on Lipitor. But as you get older, it turns out the benefit of drugs such as Lipitor and any of the statin drugs, turns out to be more useful. So maybe 10 years when you were younger, 10, 20 years ago, wasn't useful, and now it's useful. But no, I don't think everybody in society should be on Lipitor. I don't think that's the right advice. 800-462-7413 is our number. That's 1-800-462-7413. Now, before the break, Zorba, as you know, we get so many questions from our wonderful listeners But we also get calls from listeners who just want to share a comment or a health tip. So it's time again for the segment we call Caller Comments. This is a bunch of caller comments. People calling us with their health tips. Thanks. We appreciate it. Okay, Zorba. First up, let's hear from a listener in Jefferson City, Tennessee. The gentleman that had the athlete's foot and foot fungus problem, I started wearing wool socks four to five years ago and used to have occasional athlete's feet problems and have not had any problems since. The higher the percentage of wool in the socks, the better they are because the wool has an antimicrobial property. That's very interesting. Hmm. I didn't know that wool had an antimicrobial property, but there's no doubt about it that cotton and wool are very different fabrics when it comes to moisture in your skin, holding moisture and letting moisture out. So that is a very, very good tip that wool may be the way to go or a wool cotton poly blend might be the way to go with people who have recurrent athlete's foot. Great, great advice. I'm going to use that. Use that from now on. And finally, Zorba, let's get a pronunciation tip from a listener in Wisconsin. Um, Yes, I was listening to um, the Zorba pastor on your health show today, and he said it's caprese salad. It's not. It's caprese. Caprese is a Italian term for a tomato and mozzarella dressing. So just wanted to correct his pronunciation. Thank you. Goodbye. Caprese, caprese. It's a caprese salad. Caprese, caprese. Now, the real question is, next time I see it, will I say caprese or caprese? You know, when it comes to pronunciation, it's not my skill set. <laughs> well, actually, actually, Zerba, we got an avalanche of emails and voicemails about that one. So, oh, gosh. So to help you remember the correct pronunciation of the word... Caprice, Caprice. Ah, Caprice. Our producer, Carl, put together a mashup of songs where this particular word has appeared. And there's a lot of them, so buckle up and let's hear it. Caprice. Caprice. I'm caprese for feeling. I'm going off the rails. Caprese, caprese train. 
Trying to get crazy with this thing. Don't you know I'm local? local. I go caprese, caprese, baby. I go caprese. Now, really, now, really, I mean, I think Carl, our producer, just took a little bit of poetic license and put that in there so I can finally think about the right way to pronounce it. So I've got it in my brain, Carl. I've got it in my brain. Still caprese after all these years. (laughs) We have more more of your calls coming up. Another topic to discuss, and Zorba will be answering more of your emails. All coming up on Zorba Pastor on your health from PRX, the public radio exchange. I'm Clark with Family Doc Zorba Pastor here on Zorba Pastor on Your Health. That number is 800 462 7413. If you have a question for Zorba, 800 462 7413. But Zorba, before we're back to the phones, stress accelerates immune aging. According to a study. Well, this is kind of a big issue. You know, traumatic events, job strain, everyday stressors, discrimination. You know, does this really affect the immune system? It's kind of a really important thing. And this particular research was published in the Procedures, Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. And that's a very, very prestigious journal, just like the New England Journal. In other words, it's peer-reviewed. Getting in that journal really means that the research has got to be super. And if we look at the world's population, of older adults as they increase. This is a big issue. can't remember, but probably in the next 20 years or something, there'll be more people over 65 than young people under the age of 18. It's a big issue in our society. And as we age, there's a downgrading of the immune system. It's called immune senescence, where our immune system weakens. It kind of wears out. Our white blood cells are not really as good. Uh, you know, And so we're less likely to fight infections. One of the issues with cancer, it's thought because our immune system is really problematic. And this particular data came from the Michigan Health and Retirement Study, big longitudinal study, marital data, family status, public and private support, and looked at a bunch of things. And it's a longitudinal study where they're, you know, where they're doing the usual stuff to measure. And they looked at social stress because they have questionnaires. Are you stressed in your job? Are you stressed at home? You remember, Tom, when you were working, and weren't there times that you were stressed? <laughs> oh yeah, oh well, yeah. But I mean, oh, but I mean, yeah. you had you had more stressors when you were younger, didn't you? Do you think you had more stressors than than you have now? Oh sure, yeah. That's sure. what I mean. I have no stress. We have that. That's what I'm talking about. But when you're only, but you had a lot of stress. You know, yeah. you know, money. Uh, you know, your your daughter stressors, marital stress. How do these things affect your immune system? And when they looked at it, especially in older adults, they found that as people had higher stress scores and they were older, it turned out their immune system seemed to be more deficient. Their white cells were different. They had a higher percentage of of wiped out white cells. They did this when they did chemistry profiles and they looked at it mm-hmm. and they discovered they were much more likely to have certain diseases. They were more likely to get, uh, maybe more likely to get pneumonia and other things that were involved. But the issue is it's not just age that affects your immune system. It's also stress. 
And the reduction of stress is something we should think about with health. And that often in this time of COVID means stronger social relationships because strong social relationships are one of the keys for reducing stress. Interesting. 800-462-7413 is our number. 1-800-462-7413. Now, Zorba, let's see if we can help a listener in Oklahoma. Hi. Hello. How can we help? I tore my meniscus uh, weightlifting about a few months ago, and I'm trying to avoid having surgery. Mm -hmm. And so what I would like to know is if Dr. Zorba has any knowledge or thoughts on plasma-rich platelets, or is it platelet-rich plasma? Which, I'm not sure which, but that's my question. Well, I've got uh, got a couple of questions for you. First of all, how old are you? I am 42. 42, okay. And uh, you went in, you tore your meniscus, they did an MRI scan and saw it. Is that what they did? Yes. Uh Okay, so let me give you some really interesting data of where exercise and physical therapy fits in. A very monumental study done a number of years ago. So people who are older than you, 50 years of age and older, with a meniscus injury, and they might have some arthritis but no significant arthritis, they had two groups. They followed them for two years. Half the group immediately went to arthroscopy and had their meniscus, quote, fixed. The other half went to physical therapy, did the correct exercises, and and said, we're going to do physical therapy. We're going to do the right exercises every day. Three months later, they looked. The the, uh, surgery group was still weaker because obviously they had had surgery and they were recovering from surgery. Very little to no difference between pain and function in both groups, three months. Six months, nine months, one year, and two years. The people who were in the physical therapy group, 80% of them never, ever, ever needed arthroscopic surgery. With exercise, things improve. So in other words, just because you have a meniscus tear doesn't mean you need arthroscopic surgery. That's the most, that's a very important take home. So one of the things you want to do, have you gone to physical therapy at all? I did try to go to physical therapy, but it was before I had my specific diagnosis. So Mm -hmm. it was just for kind of general knee pain. And so I got a physical therapy evaluation, but it hadn't had any further testing. So one thing to do is you go to physical therapy. If you, you know, if your insurance covers it, if not, you look online at physical therapy exercises for a meniscus. You find some good ones online. I think the hands-on is better if you can afford the copay, but if not, online is very good. You then do it every single day the way they expect you and you don't do the the exercises that they recommend you not to do in other words you don't want to engage in sports like soccer or frisbee where you plant your foot and twist you don't want to re-injure it if you do that and you do it for 12 to 16 weeks you will probably fully recover and since this study came out a number of years ago people who i know have meniscus tears that come into my office i don't send them for arthroscopy anymore i send them to pt and i said let's give it 8 to 12 weeks the platelet rich plasma is very iffy it's expensive it's not covered by insurance it's only 3 to 5000 dollars and it doesn't appear to work that well especially in someone as young as yourself In other words, that's really the issue. Do the exercises, go to PT. There's an 80% chance, if not more, that you do not need surgery. You need to do exercise. There's something about exercise that increases the the nutrient value in the meniscus. In other words, the tear never gets cured, but the pain and the swelling goes away. So clearly there are other aspects that are going on in the knee that are much more important. And so in that study, did it show that people were able to go back to their baseline amount of activity and exercise? Right. They were able to go back to their activity, the baseline. They didn't have to worry about their knee. They went back to their usual stuff, despite the fact that their MRI scan showed there was a tear in the meniscus. In other words, a meniscal tear on the MRI scan does not mean you need surgery. What it means is you have a meniscal tear. That's it. Try the exercise. 80% chance you can go back to what you did before. Great advice. Thank you so much. You're most welcome. Thank you. We appreciate the call at 800-462-7413. Okay, Zorba, let's crack open the always overstuffed Zorba Pastor on your health inbox and take a listener email. The following question came from a listener named Chris 
who writes, Doctor, I have a smelly navel. There. I said it. I know how it was caused from my sweaty shorts sitting over the area when I go running. Okay, I've addressed the cause, but how do I eliminate the remaining odor in that area? I tried thorough washing in the shower, etc., but it doesn't seem to help. Any advice would be much appreciated as the cat doesn't want to sit in my lap anymore. Hand sanitizer. That's the answer. What you do is you put hand sanitizer on a washcloth, go inside and clean your navel and do that two or three times a day. And I would bet dollars to donuts, as we say in Nova Scotia, I lived in Nova Scotia for a while, dollars to donuts, you'll be better within one to two weeks. Hand sanitizer does the trick because it's mostly alcohol. And now whether or not your cat is going to want to sit in your lap, I'm not a vet. I can't give you an answer to that. (laughs) Have a healthy living question for Zorba. Or want to cure your smelly navel. (laughs) Just post on our Facebook page or send us an email at Zorba at WPR.org. 1-800-462-7413 is our number. 800-462-7413. We have a voicemail now from Nassau County, New York. My question for Dr. Zorba is, is there a cure really for people suffering with uh, schizophrenia or is this just some kind of treatment? Uh, And, you know, I would love to hear uh, the best you know or can tell us about this. Thank you. It's such a good question. And I've got an answer. And the answer right now is there is no cure for schizophrenia. And uh, and people with schizophrenia have a, it's sort of a broad range. So some people are functional and they have schizophrenia where the medications will get rid of the voices, the hallucinations, auditory or visual hallucinations, and they can function in society. Unfortunately, Many people with schizophrenia, the drugs don't work nearly as well, and and they become very problematic. They have significant side effects of weight gain. They also have side effects that they're not tolerated by people, for instance, as well as antidepressants are. But the only thing we have for schizophrenia is treatment of the disease. And like I said, for some people, the treatment could be successful. And if it's a mild case, they can actually live full lives. But for many people with schizophrenia which is a major, major form of disability, it becomes a very hard course. There are new drugs on the horizon, always testing new drugs, but the drugs for schizophrenia can have significant side effects. And as I said often, many are, uh, many people don't tolerate it. And I wish there were a cure. After World War II, before we had any drugs for schizophrenia, two-thirds of all the hospital beds in this country were occupied in psychiatric facilities because we had no treatment for schizophrenia, no medical treatment. And now that number has dropped. Unfortunately, many people with schizophrenia, the treatment is so imperfect and the social service net is so imperfect that many of them are on the street. And many of the people that you see who are street people are many people who suffer from significant mental illness such as schizophrenia. 800-462-7413 is our number. That's 1-800-462-7413. Before we clock out today, Zorba, let's do the segment where we feature what our wonderful listeners are writing on the Zorba Pastor on Your Health Facebook page. This is called Facebook Feedback. Facebook feedback. Okay, Zorba, you recently posted a photo of you sitting on your new e-bike. Yay! Yes! We both have them now. (laughs) That's right. Okay, first up, Tom in Madison, Wisconsin wrote, Getting an e-bike was one of the best ever. I can ride it for exercise or flick a switch and use it to commute and not arrive tired and sweaty. Bottom line, I use it three times more than a standard bike. 
Very, very neat. Yeah, yeah. I can understand that because all of a sudden you get to go faster. You may pedal, but when there's a hill in front of you, you just push a button and you go up that hill like nobody up that hill like nobody's business. Now, Lindsay, also from Madison, wrote, ride that thing up to Trader Joe's. (laughs) Jerry in Knoxville, Tennessee adds, kudos also for the good example of wearing a helmet. Right, right. Very important. Yeah. Uh, Rich in Chicago wrote, (laughs) I love my e-bike, but I feel bad for the other two that now gather dust. Oh, the other two bikes. That is actually it. I've got another bike. I have two more bikes, actually, and they are gathering dust. And the question is, do I get rid of them? I haven't figured out the answer yet. But the fact is, I don't think I'm ever riding them again. I love my e-bike. And finally, Rylan in Ada, Oklahoma, asks, what variety of potato was this picture (laughs) taken with? Sometimes I just put it, I take a picture of myself. It's not pixelated right. It is from an iPhone. And believe me, I don't use a potato to take photos. (laughs) Thanks to our wonderful listeners. Thanks, Rylan. For all the Facebook comments. And of course, you can always send us an old-fashioned email at... Zorba at WPR.org. Finally, Zorba, before we go, we've we've had the whole hour. We don't have any time left. Right, right. And I've been waiting right. throughout the hour, <laughs> and I and I haven't heard from you. A happy birthday, Tom. Oh, my God. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. You can tell what I'm a singer. Happy birthday, dear Tommy. <laughs> happy birthday to you. Yeah, no Sorry, Tom. Sorry, it wasn't on my calendar. (laughs) Okay, I forgive you. See you next week, Zorba. Stay well, Tom, and stay above ground. If you missed anything during the show or just want to stream the show online anytime, visit us on the web. At ZorbaPastor.org or, of course, through Facebook. And don't forget, you can call us anytime to leave us your question at 800-462-7413. Zorba Pastor on Your Health is a production of Wisconsin Public Radio. It's not intended as a medical diagnosis, so please do check with your doc. Our executive producer is Carl Christensen. Our technical director is Brad Kohlberg. Our theme music is by Leo and Ben Sidron. For Zorba Pastor, I'm Tom Clark, asking you to join us on the next Zorba Pastor on Your Health. Did you miss something on today's show? Simply go to ZorbaPastor.org to catch up on all things Zorba. There you will find recipes from the show, links to the Facebook page, Zorba's healthy living articles, and you can subscribe to the weekly podcast. On the web, that's ZorbaPastor.org.